Yes, and from your experience in yeah. the war. Well, the way. Wait, hold started. on. I need to introduce you first. Huh? What? I need to introduce you first. Oh. Okay. Three, two. Welcome to the podcast at the Cradle of Aviation Museum. I'm Rod Lenhard. Today's episode Pigeons Saved My Life. We're listening in on a conversation between Long Island teacher Megan Coleman and her friend and next door neighbor, World War II vet Dominic Battaglia. Dom hasn't been out of the house since this pandemic started, so when things started to open up here on Long Island, Megan thought it would be a great time for him to visit since we're celebrating the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II. Now, Dom has some great stories to tell, and we're going to get to listen to them in a minute. But first, we need you to subscribe to the podcast, and you can find pictures of Dom and Megan on our show page at cradleofaviation.org slash podcast. Let's begin. My name is Megan Coleman, and I have with us today, here at the Cradle of Aviation, Dominic Battaglia. He served in World War II in the Battle of Saipan, and he was one of the first radar specialists in the country. Dom, here's what I'd like you to tell us today. You started with pigeons. You were a pigeoneer. What does that mean? Me, when I was a young boy, about six years old, I I lived in a tenement house in the Bronx, five stories up, and I had a pigeon coop. And I used to fly pigeons all the time, and I was very interested in the pigeons. And when I got drafted in 19, December of 1942, I was 19 years old, and before I went between the psychiatrists and they give you interviews and whatnot. At that, at that year, there was so, I was only one year into the war, and they were very short on infantrymen, and they were building up infantry divisions crazes me. So when he asked me what my hobbies were, most, most of the draftees, you know, said basketball, cocky, fishing. And I said, I was raising pigeons. I said, I raising pigeons? So he took out a book and he showed me a picture of a picture. And he says to me, what, what's the name of this pigeon? I said, a blue checker homing pigeon, an Antwerp pigeon. And I remember he went in a drawer looking all around for a stamp. And from where I was sitting behind, I could see he paints the thing, pigeoneer. I was going to be a pigeoneer, you know, training pigeons for, at that time, they were still using pigeons for, uh, instead of a, uh, they had a, a, a walkie-talkie, but pigeons were the most communicate then. So when I was in Fort Dix, uh, Camp Edison, Signal Corps, uh, we got to be trained as a pigeoneer. They took the whole camp, they took us to take a, a, a mental test, and, and, uh, I think it was about 7,000 draftees there. They would only pick out only 100, the highest marks. I don't know how I became one of the one highest, and I became, uh, what they said, well, you don't know what you're getting into, but it's going to be a secret thing. I said, oh my God, what do I get myself into? A suicide mission here? What, what is this? So I wound up in Drewfield, Florida. I wound up being radar. Unheard of then. It was a war. You know, it was an English uh, invention then, and and Americans were first using it. And I went into radar, and I wound up uh, being with uh, a GCI. They called it ground control intercept. I was intercepting. So at the Battle of 
of Saipan when we landed there, D plus two. The first thing we, we were, were uh, controlling was the, B the Corsair. It was, it was equipped with radar, but they were very ineffective. I don't know, maybe they didn't want to take orders from the Army, but every time we hit this, tried to intercept the Jap bomber come over, we weren't made until we get the P-61 night fighters. And then we'd be very successful. We, we, my crew knocked down four, four myself, and, and the rest. We always wanted to take pictures and put them on our, our, our thing. When we first landed there, they gave us what they called a, a, G, a, a cell cast two. This was a, an antenna in a small little van, and the operator would take a, a had a little knob, and he was sitting around a, a, a PPI tone, plant position indicator, and a flight control flyer would look over his shoulder. Then the guy would turn the antenna all around, had to blip, you know, trying to get the plop in to, you know, intercept the planes coming. And uh, later on, we got the, the big one, the big antenna, and then with the P-61 fighters, and we were very successful with them. Uh -huh. And just for the record, Dominic, how old are you? 98. 99 you're going to be soon. Almost 99. A lot of water went under the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of water went under the bridge. Yeah, yeah. and I was drafted in uh, 19, uh, December of 1940, 1942, December. And, uh, Along with, oddly enough, my grandfather, Yes. We lived on the, who, you guys lived on the same oh, street in, in the Bronx on Monroe Avenue. And two blocks away from me. Two blocks away from you, and I never really knew my grandfather. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which is I why you're my surrogate. Uh -huh. Did they know each other? Did they, did they no, they didn't, but they were in the same building yeah, yeah, yeah. with the I initial drafting. Uh, two, two days before her grandfather. He wound up in any aircraft, according to what she yep. was telling me. Yeah, 109 AAA. Uh, uh, and uh, they were both in Camp Dix together at the same time, as draftees. But we, of course, we didn't know each other at all. Even when we were young, because he was only two blocks away, but still. Today, uh, in the Bronx, if you lived on this block, and a guy who lived on another block, block away, he was all scared of different world. <laughs> They didn't know each other, no. The only, the only ones you, you were associated with, the people you lived on block. Each block had about 10 apartment houses, six-story apartment houses. We were one after another cramped in. It was, it was a nice life. Very so nice. Tell, nice. tell us about the aircraft that was used that you witnessed during the invasion of Saipan? What, the B-29? Was that what was used? Yeah, the bomb, they, yeah, they brought the B-29s in and they were bombing Japan with them. And, uh, and like I said, the first planes we were controlling was the Corsairs and they were ineffective. Then I think it was about uh, a, a month after the, 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 the P-61 flew in and we got control of them. That's why we, we were very effective, the P-61 night fighters.
So Dom, when you were a kid, you were interested in drawing? Drawing, yes, I was. Because we have these fantastic drawings of these planes uh -huh. that you had done. I know. What, and, and you had never seen them in person. Where did you get these ideas? All in magazines, newspapers, uh, events, things like that. Maybe most of the time in newspapers and magazines and uh, uh, the Roman place, uh, I, I, the Roman used to show pictures of every, I was very interested in the Roman planes mostly. And, uh, and all the other planes, the German planes and uh, well, every time I saw an airplane uh, in a newspaper, I would draw a picture of it. Did uh, you want to work with airplanes when you... I was you... interested in them, but not, I didn't know at the time that I was going to wind up with airplanes, but I was always, I was, ha ha you know, looking at airplanes, always, with all, any kind of fighter planes, bombers, whatnot. Did you feel like doing all of these drawings, and some of these date to... 1939, yes, uh, did. 1940. 1940. Did you ever think that no, some of doing some of these drawings no, would help never, you in your career, in your military did. career? No, no, especially that Schmidt. I remember that Schmidt fighter. I drew that one. And you also have um, some drawings that are on the back of hotel paper. Well, Why was that? Where did you get your paper sources? I have no idea. Every time I used to find paper from, because getting paper in those days to draw pictures was, was very hard. Like that, you know. So every time I found a, a, a plain piece of paper, I would try to draw a picture of an airplane. Do you think you'd, you'd be able to draw one now? At no, 98 I can't years even old? hold a pen now. <laughs> but you know how to write backwards? Yes, yeah, I get that. That was one of your, your tricks you showed me from your military days. She says, she says, I can write backwards and forward. He writes in script backwards. It's amazing. So Dominic, how do you keep your mind so sharp at 98? Because I, I want that pill. I'm an avid reader. I love to read uh, newspapers, whatnot. Mostly, I like to do uh, puzzles, like cryptograms, where you you change one letter to another letter, and you figure out the sentence of a letter, and uh, all kinds of puzzles you know, that you have to use your, your, your senses to, uh, to f figure them out. And uh, I said, I kept my, my brain very, I kept my brain very active. I never, 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 you do a lot of jumbles together. And they do the jumbles together. <laughs> uh, you know, you figure out puzzles. I like to do that. What was the last book that you read? The last what? The last book that you read. The last book I read was The Battle of Midway, hmm. where we defeated the Japanese and sunk their four carriers. At that book, there was a whole book on, on the Battle of Midway and how we cracked the code and uh, the, the Japanese code and find out where to get a, uh, attack midway, and uh, we, we, right. we ambush them, their carriers. I'm very interested in World War II. Is that your genre, World War II? Sure. World War II books? Yes, I, I like to read World War II books mostly. Uh -huh. But in general, you like to read, so you like codes, you like cracking codes. Uh huh. 
You like learning new things every day? Every day, everything. You every read papers every day? Every day. Every and day. Um, you keep up on current events? Oh, yes. I'm very shy. And my memory goes back very sharp also. I know. I remember events that happened. Uh, I remember uh, speaking to my mother one time. Uh, they lived in an apartment house in the Bronx, a tenement house before we moved to the other house. And I said to my mother, you know, I remember uh, the bed, there was two families in this house, and they both shared a bathroom. I said, I remember the bathroom used to go in, in the hallway. And she said, how do you remember that? You're only six, you're only nine years, uh, two years old. How can you, impossible you read. I said, Ma, I remember that bathroom. Can't be. She said, you're only, you're only two years old. You couldn't remember that, that bathroom, but I did. So when World War II ended, where were you? Okay, what no. were you thinking about? Uh -huh. When World War ended, I wound up in Okinawa. At that time, the, the, air curve, the, the radar, had, they used to call it the uh, uh, microwave something or other. And this, this radar we had now over there was up the highest point in Okinawa. It was so effective that uh, we could actually pick up the jet planes, taken off on, on the island of Kasushu, over 300 miles away. That's how effective that radar was at that time. And uh, then when the war ended, uh, we all went home. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you when you heard that the war had ended? Okinawa. Uh, Okinawa, we heard they, they dropped an atomic bomb. Oh my God, unheard of. One bomb destroying the whole city. How could it be possible? And it was true. And, uh, and at that time, we didn't think the war that we were going to cause the war until they dropped the second bomb. Then you know, maybe, maybe uh, the war would be over finally. So, how did you get back to the United States? Oh, it was a mad, mad dash. Uh, they, they, they were sending men home by the thousands. Any, 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 anything that they could put them on. I, I wound up in some sort of a, a cargo ship uh, with about 2,000 men, and it was a Navy cargo ship. They fed us lousy food, and uh, that's how we got. We, that's how we come home. And when did you um, come into port in New York? No, 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 San Francisco, uh, Port uh, Oregon. And how how were the troops received? when you came back? How, how was the public? Oh, was, when we came up to Vancouver, the, the Columbia River, there was big signs, welcome home, home. The, the people from the factories again, waving flags at us. Oh, we were on the troop ship that was going up the, up the Columbia River. Oh, we felt so proud. <laughs> you know, thousands of stand on, on the troop ship as we came up the Columbia River and they all cheered us. That was very nice. Uh -huh. And when you got home to New York? Well, that's, Come home. <laughs> my parents were glad to see me. My brothers were all, all happy. But, but when I was in radar, we couldn't tell them what we were doing on the job. They said, being trained as radar operators, don't ever mention the word radar and, uh, or anything coming to it. And we couldn't tell them where we are, what we were doing. And the FBI even investigated me, finally, because it was such a secret weapon then, radar. The FBI went to the home 
and they spoke to the, the baker out of, out downstairs and the butcher that they had known me if I belonged to any organizations or whatnot. They checked me out thoroughly to make sure that, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, and when we were taking radar instructions, we were going to the classroom. We, everything we wrote down, we had to put that and put it away. And they, we weren't allowed to leave the classroom. We had to do all the study in there because it was such a secret weapon, the radar, very, very secret. And, and every time I look at a pigeon now, I say, oh, that's what saved my life. A pigeon saved my life. Because uh, when we were being drafted, we, at that time, all the boys, you would get maybe three, four at a time. I, I was drafted with five of my friends. Uh, one guy died in, in Normandy, another guy lost a leg, and another one died in Italy. And I'm the only one that came home whole. And they always say it was because of the pigeons. Was, the pigeons saved my life. Every time I see a pigeon today, I say, I, 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 I say the pigeons are very nice. <laughs> uh, a very interesting life. Uh -huh. Well, we're super glad that you're still here to tell us these stories uh -huh. and pass down uh -huh. this information. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the podcast at the Cradle of Aviation Museum. Thanks again to Dom and Megan for allowing us to listen in on their conversation. And if you have any questions or comments about this episode, contact us via the show page at cradleofaviation.org podcast. You can also leave us a voice message via the anchor.fm app, which you can download from the app store. Please subscribe and follow wherever you're listening to this podcast. And we'll see you next time at the Cradle of Aviation, Long Island's Air and Space Museum.